0: Now, we want to read our scripture lessons today. Uh, We have four. So it's a little more than ordinary, but they're short passages by and large. Proverbs chapter 7, the first, we're going to read the first five verses. I'm going to read just four, but the fifth one actually makes sense, and I'll explain that in a sermon, perhaps. Uh, Proverbs, if you read Proverbs, you're aware that wisdom is the highest thing of all. And uh, you'll find wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. Those are that troika of terms are here. This one deals primarily with uh, wisdom and understanding. So listen here to God's Word. My son, keep my words and treasure my commandments within you. Keep my commandments and live in my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you're my sister and call understanding your intimate friend that they may keep you from an adulteress, from the foreigner who flatters with her words. Amen. And then we'll read Jeremiah chapter 36. SV means selected verses. Uh, I'm going to be the one who selects the verses. And uh, uh, so we'll sort of skip through there. You can listen if you'd like. I don't know that you can follow along with me because we'll skip significant portions of this. Uh, I don't think I have to do a whole lot to introduce this. Uh, the text itself will, will lead us in that way. We'll see what's going on. So listen here to God's Word. In the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, this word came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Take a scroll and write on it all the words which, which I have spoken to you concerning Israel and concerning Judah and concerning all the nations from the day I first spoke to you from the days of Josiah even to this day. Perhaps the house of Judah will hear all the calamity which I plan to bring on them, in order that every man will turn from his evil way. Then I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. Then Jeremiah called Baruch, the son of Neriah, and Baruch wrote on a scroll at the dictation of Jeremiah all the words of the Lord which he had spoken to him. Jeremiah commanded Baruch, saying, I am restricted. I cannot go into the house of the Lord. So you go and read from the scroll which you have written at my dictation, the words of the Lord to the people of the Lord's house on a fast day. And also you shall read them to all the people of Judah who come from their cities. Perhaps their supplication will come before the Lord and everyone will turn from his evil way for great is the anger and the wrath that the Lord has pronounced against this people. Baruch the son of Neriah did according to all that Jeremiah the prophet commanded him, reading from the book of the words of the Lord in the Lord's house. Then I'll skip a little portion and uh, pick it up again. When they heard all the words, that is the people and all the leaders there, they turned in fear to one another and said to Baruch, we will surely report all these words to the king. And they asked Baruch, saying, tell us please, how did you write all these words? Was it at his, that is Jeremiah's dictation? Then Baruch said to them, He dictated all these words to me, and I wrote them with ink in the book. Then the officials said to Baruch, "'Go hide yourself, you and Jeremiah, and do not let anyone know where you are.'" We'll skip a little bit more. "'Now the king was sitting in the winter house in the ninth month with a fire burning in the brazier before him. When Jehuda had read—' that's the guy who's going to read it to him. "'When Jehuda had read three or four columns, the king cut it with a, a, a scribe's knife and threw it into the fire.'" That was in the uh, burner, until all the scroll was consumed in the fire that was in there. Yet the king and all his servants who heard all these words were not afraid, nor did they rend their garments. Even though Elnathan and Deliah and Gemariah pleaded with the king not to burn the scroll, he would not listen to them. And the king commanded Jeremiel, the king's son, Saraiah, the son of Azrael, and Shelemiah, the son of Abdeel, to seize Baruch the scribe and Jeremiah the prophet, but the Lord hid them." Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah after the king had burned the scroll of the words which Baruch had written at the dictation of Jeremiah saying take again another scroll and write it on all the former and write on it all the former words that were on the first scroll which Jehoiakim the king of Judah burned. We'll skip a little bit more to the last verse. Then Jeremiah took another scroll gave it to Baruch the son of Neriah the scribe and he wrote on it at the dictation of Jeremiah all the words of the book which Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, had burned in the fire, and many similar words were added to them. Amen. Then our first Gospel lesson is from Luke chapter 1, the first four verses. Again, listen here to God's Word. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile an account of the things accomplished among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the Word, it seemed fitting for me as well, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning, to write it out for you in consecutive order, most excellent Theophilus, so that you might know the exact truth about the things you have been taught. Amen. Then our second gospel readings from John. Chapter 19, verses 19 through 22. Again, listen here to God's Word. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It was written, Jesus the Nazarene, the King of the Jews. Therefore, many of the Jews read this inscription, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews were saying to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. Amen. We'll take just a few moments to bow our heads and silently meditate upon God's word, which we've read. Oh, Father, we come in Jesus' name to you. Lord, we need your word. We need your work by your word and by your spirit in our lives and certainly in our world. So come, we pray, help us, illumine us, again, do that which no man can do, give us grace and faith to believe, to believe Your promise, to trust in Your Word, and to be made new by You. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Isn't the specificity of the Bible wonderful? It goes specific, boom, boom, boom. How many days of creation were there? Six. Six days. How about Eve? She was made from what? From a bone from Adam, but not just a bone, a rib. How about the months and days of Noah's flood? It comes down to this, this month and this day of the month. and Very specific. Today, we'll see some more of God's specifications in His Word, where He said, write it down. Here's what I want. Now, our text from Jeremiah, which is our main text, says, in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, this word came to Jeremiah from the Lord. The fourth year of Jehoiakim, what in the world is that? When was it? Well, Jehoiakim's father was Josiah. Now, we, we talked about this a little bit earlier, Josiah died in the year 609. So four years later is 605. Now, why would that be significant for us? Rich doesn't care if it's 605 or 610 or whatever it is. Who cares? So let's put up here Jeremiah 46. I think Herb has this ready. We have Jeremiah 46. Let's, let's see what it says. "...that which came as the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet concerning the nations, concerning the nations, to Egypt, concerning the army of Pharaoh Necho, king of Egypt, which was by the Euphrates River at Carchemish, which Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, defeated in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah." So, this is the same year where the battle of Carchemish took place. You say, well, I don't care, right? I don't care. I didn't even know there was a battle of Carchemish. Well, folks, that was a watershed battle. That's the first time that the name of Nebuchadnezzar, we've all heard of Nebuchadnezzar, perhaps. First time his name appears in history annals is in connection with the Battle of Carchemish. Before that, nobody ever knew anything about, about him. What was going on? And at the battle, the Assyrians and the Egyptians were combined and this upstart king, this young rabble rouser, Nebuchadnezzar came out and met them at Karchemish, and defeated them. He wins. Nebi wins, and it changes all of history. It changes maps. Now, where in the world is Karchemish? It tells us there, it's on the river Euphrates. It's still there now. Now it's a site, you can go see it, and it's uh, right on the close to, it's in Turkey, but it's at the Syrian border. It's on the western side of the Euphrates River. Uh, it's, it's north, Of Israel. Keep that in mind, all right? Keep in mind that it's north of Israel. Okay, that's good. Thank you, Herb. Now, God tells Jeremiah to write it down. Well, what is he to write down and why? All of Jeremiah's prophecies that he's given unto this point in time is what he's supposed to write down. All of them. All that God has spoken through him. They're to be read to the people and to the king Jehoiakim." Now, how does Jeremiah write him down? You know, we talk about how firm a foundation, we, refers to the Scriptures and what God has given to us. Jeremiah does something that he's never done before. He has someone write at his dictation the words of his prophecy. So far as we know, up until this point in time, Jeremiah would speak the word of the Lord, and people But no one took it down. God says, I want this taken down, write it down. And so what Jeremiah does, he says, I can't write it down, I'm talking. I can't write what I'm prophesying. So he gets Baruch, who's a, one of the great officials there, very high, upper class kind of fellow, and says, write it down. God wants to make a record. Now, the purpose of this is to read it to the people and to the king. But Jeremiah says, I can't read it to them. I am forbidden. He says, I'm, I'm restricted. Now, uh, he's restricted by whom? We don't know. Maybe he's restricted by Jehoiakim because of all the things he's been saying for all these years. said, don't come around anymore. Perhaps he's restricted by God. God says, don't you go do this. You have Baruch to it. We don't know. It's not clear. Both those things are good options, but we don't know which one. But what is clear is that it's to be read on a fast day. Do you see that there? Read it on a fast day. Now, what in the world is a fast day? It's not an ordinary day. It's not a day like just some day of the week. It's a day when everyone is gathered. They're gathered to seek God. They put other things aside. They said, we want to seek God. It's so important that we seek God that we're not going to eat. We're going to fast. individually and corporate, we're going to fast and seek God. Well, if this word to Jeremiah, to write everything down, came in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, when did this thing get read on a fast day to the people and to the king? So, Herb, would you project... Jeremiah 36, 9. We could have read it, but we didn't. Here's what it says. Now, in the fifth year of Jehoiakim, so we've, boom, we've gone on another year. The son of Josiah, king of Judah, in the ninth month, so nine months into the year, so it wasn't just, boom, just like this. It took a little while. In the ninth year, all the people in Jerusalem and all the people who came from the cities of Judah to Jerusalem proclaimed a fast before the Lord. Then Baruch read from the book the words of Jeremiah. Now, we need to understand that people come together. They're going to seek God. What's the occasion of it? It's the fifth month. A year has gone by. Uh, folks, what's happening is this. Nebuchadnezzar is moving south. From the north, he's moving south. Directly south of him lies the land of Judah. And Judah is identified with Egypt, with the enemies of Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar. People who live west of Jerusalem, that is toward the Mediterranean Sea, as the Babylonian army comes down, they flee. They need to get away. Look out. And so, they go to Jerusalem. They're worried, what's going to happen to us? And they call for a fast. They're scared. What does this mean for us? Their concern is that thread of the north, it's boiling down, coming to them. Now, let me ask you this. In chapter 1 of Jeremiah, which we read four or five weeks ago now, there were two things that Jeremiah saw. Remember this? What's one thing that he saw? He saw an almond rod and it blossomed. That reminds us that God's watching over His Word to perform it. Going back to number sixteen and number seventy, what else did He see? A boiling pot tipped over. A boiling pot. Where was this pot located? In the north. So there's a boiling pot from the north. Come down over us, boom! Come down. So that was, those were the two things that Jeremiah saw. We talked about. We preached about, we read about some weeks ago. And now here those folks are, and, and here come the Babylonians down, and it's like a boiling torrent of water, of whatever it is, coming in. What are we going to do? They're scared. And that's exactly what Jeremiah had seen. Well, will the reading of Jeremiah's scroll have any effect? Baruch's going to read it. They're all there. They're worried. They're scared. They're seeking God. And he reads all those things. <clears throat> Jeremiah 1 through 25 is what he reads, basically. All those texts. <clears throat> now, there's this great scene. Uh, they read it. The, the people tremble. They, they say, this has to go to the king. And so, the king is there. We read this part of it. It's a great scene. The king is sitting in his palace. It's winter time. He has a fire going in his little charcoal bin there keeping himself warm. A guy named Yehudi has been selected to go and read from this scroll that is there. And what the text says is that he would read uh, three or four columns and whoosh! Here comes the knife down, cuts off that part, and the king throws it in the fire. Whoosh! Up goes in flames. Reminds me of Christmas Day at our house. We unwrap the packages. They throw them to me. I throw them in the fireplace. Whoosh! Up goes the flame, right? Oh, the paper that's there. So the the king is sitting there, hearing these things read, and he takes those, he cuts them all, and throws them into the fire. Again, and again, and again, and again, and again, until the whole scroll is gone. Everything that God told Jeremiah to write down, to dictate, he did, he wrote it, Baruch wrote it, they read it all. The whole scroll is thrown into the fire and consumed. Now why is that recorded for us? Well, do you remember who's who's the father of Jehoiakim? Do you remember his name? We read it like four or five times. Josiah. Josiah. Remember, it was in Josiah's reign. we read about him, he, he was the boy king, maybe eight years old when he was elevated, and he had, was godly, and his father was Ammon who was son of Manasseh. And, uh, years of wickedness, but Josiah began to seek God. And then in the, I think it's the 16th year of his reign, they discover in the book of the, the, book of the law, in the temple, they have been laying distracted, all this stuff. And they come and they read it to Josiah. And what does Josiah do? He does not cut it up and burn it. He tears his clothes, laments, and says, oh, Lord God, have mercy on us. And he calls the people back to prayer to turn to God. Now, compare that reaction to hearing the Word of God to the reaction of Josiah, who has no sense of guilt, has no sense of shame, has no sense of, maybe we're doing something wrong, he says, let's get rid of the Word of God, let's throw it away, let's burn it. That's how much notice we'll give to that, and you get rid of it. Now, Herb, if you put up Jeremiah 25, that passage. Earlier, in the fourth year, this is is a year and a half or so before Jehoiakim does this. Here's what it says, the word that came to Jeremiah concerning all the people of Judah in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah. So, this is before God told him to write things down. But it came in that same year. Uh, The king of Judah, and the, the Scripture tells us, that was the first year of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. Well, I already told you that, right? Jeremiah spoke, saying, from the 13th year of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, even to this day, these 23 years, the word of the Lord has come to me, and I have spoken to you again and again, but you have not listened. Huh. 23 years. He has been prophesying. And now, remember we read, was it last week? I forget which week it was. How Jeremiah was so discouraged. People made mockery of him. They they made fun of him. Uh, All the things that he said was going to happen, they didn't see it happening at all. Where's this boiling pot from the north? Where's all this destruction? Things continue as they always have been. Well, now, things will boil from the north indeed. And Nebuchadnezzar will come down. Perhaps what He says here is why He was restricted from going to the temple area, that other part of the time, in the fourth year of the King of So the scroll is consumed, it's gone, it's history. So what does God say? God says, write it down again. You can do all kinds of things to My Word, but you cannot eradicate My Word." That simply. Write it down again. I cannot but reflect, it's in a sermon blurb, how Moses came down from the, the Mount Sinai with the Ten Commandments, saw the people there and he crushed them. Oh, they're doing horrible. He went right back up, and God wrote the same words again. Write it down. This is the Word of the Lord. And so they do. We read verse 32. And it says that he adds more to it. Namely, he adds to it Jehoiakim's demise. You know, things aren't going to be good for you, Jehoiakim. Things are going to be bad. And it described that. Now then, applications for us. I got plenty of time. Uh, how does God cause his word to be written? People have wondered about this. Well, the Ten Commandments, we'll talk about just a variety of ways. The Ten Commandments were written by the finger of God into stone. No human wrote them. We've copied them. But they were written by God's—now, God doesn't have fingers. We understand that. He doesn't have hands in the arm of the Lord. That's all language to help us comprehend. But God caused to be inscribed, Himself did it. On tablets of stone, the Ten Commandments. And of course, what's one of the great sayings that we have? Well, you know, Laura Hebner said contact her if you didn't want to have your kids picture in there. But you know, that's not really written in stone. <laughs> right? Pastor John said, next why but you know, it's not really written in stone. Why do we say that? Because all those things are secondary, and they're not commands from God. But there is something that God wrote in stone, the Ten Commandments. Yeah. Written in stone, can't get rid of them. Now, Jeremiah, his word, God said, write it down. And what Jeremiah does, he has Baruch, come as his sauce, that is his secretary. And write down in his dictation all the words that he said. And they're written down faithfully. They're written down exactly as they should be. And that's the word of God. We looked at Luke. He didn't do it by dictation, did he? Luke said, you know, I there are other folks who are writing these gospels, but I went back and I wanted to investigate, do historical research. I talked to eyewitnesses, to what they had. And then I've written out to you in consecutive order, here's what it is concerning the Lord Jesus Christ in the gospel. So there's a whole variety of ways in which God causes his word to be written, and it's all God's word. Now, the, the, the last text that we read from the gospels today <clears throat> was God even caused His Word to be written at the instigation of the wicked Roman governor, Pilate. He said, write down on there, Jesus, <clears throat> the Nazarene, King of the Jews. By decree of Pilate, God's Word is true, He continues through all time. You know that, that inscription, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews? Go ahead and put that first one up. Or do, you have, do you have all that at one time? Here we are. It occurs in all four of the Gospels. Now I want us to look at this and see, see something. It's something worthwhile here. We talked about this, but in a different context in confirmation this morning. Uh, here's what it says in Matthew 27. It's quoted, here's what's on the sign. Uh, this is Jesus, King of the Jews. Is the way Matthew has it. Mark has it. The King of the Jews, that's what's on the sign. Luke says, this is the King of the Jews. John's Gospel writes, Jesus the Nazarene, the King of the Jews. And we know it's written in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek. And it's put up there. Now, are those things contradictory to one another? They're not. They're not. All, each of them, is absolutely true. When you gather evidence, you remember what people say. Well, each one remembers different things. Everyone agrees that there was a sign, a placard above the cross, above Jesus. That said, this is Him. He's King of the Jews. He's Jesus. King of the Jews. He's Jesus. So, the details are obvious. But the, the point is there. Now, I'd like to say a couple of things about this. Uh... Does God want His Word and His truth to be known? He had this put above Jesus' head on the cross in three languages. How did God do that? He inspired, He used Pilate, the governor. He says, I want everyone to read this. So no matter what language you knew or didn't know, you'd find a language where you'd hear the gospel. This guy hanging up here? He's the king of the Jews. Who are the Jews? They're the elect chosen of God. If you're elect chosen of God, he is your king. He's the one. The Jews objected to this. No, 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 no. Don't say that he's the king of the Jews. Say that he said he's king of the Jews. (laughs) You know? We want an amendment made. What does Pilate say? What I have written, I have written. God overrules them. God says, this is what, what I'll have up there. We need to know Jesus is king of His people. No one can change that. Now then, why do we say this? And Jesus is the Word of God, the Bible is the Word of God. Now let's, let's apply this using the words of Proverbs chapter 7. And I'll just summarize here. It says, I wisdom, that is the personification of the Lord Jesus. The personification of who He is. He, he's one who tells us that God really exists. It says treasure God's Word. Keep it. Tie it around your fingers. Put it on the tablet of your heart. What it suggests there in Proverbs 7 is a lot more than just a cursory reading for uh, 20 seconds in the morning or in the evening. says that you need to love God's Word. That's where true wisdom is found. God said, write it down. And done it in a variety of ways over the centuries, and we have the Bible. Read it. Study it. Remember it. Treasure it. It will give you direction. It will give you aid. It will give you comfort. It will help you. What will it keep you from? That flattering adulteress. Now that's true in a, in a very simple sense. That is, if someone's trying to seduce you from your wife or from your spouse, they use flattering words. The Ten Commandments written in stone, do not commit adultery. All right, fair enough. <laughs> Don't can't do that, you know. But that adulterous also comes in many, many shapes and forms to seduce us away from the truth of God, from what God has for us to—how we should think, how we should live, how we should conduct ourselves. If you have God's Word in your hands and in your heart and your mind, that will protect you from the alluring flattery of that which is an adulterated form of God's truth. You know, human beings are wonderfully created, folks. We're made in the image of God, and some folks want to build on that in the wrong way. Despite the fact that we're built in the image of God and bear the image of God, we're all fallen. Well, no, we're not fallen. We're just a little, ah, we go astray once in a while. No, 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 you're fallen. You need a Savior. You need a Redeemer. Because you cannot do it yourself, and no one around can do it for you. It doesn't matter who your father was, who your mother was, who your grandfather was, what your line is, what nation you're part of, you're fallen. And God's Word says you need a Redeemer, and that that Redeemer is Jesus, the Nazarene, King of the Jews, King of the elect of God. Right? Yes, believe that. Now, here's what I want—now I have to quit. I agree. Here's how I want another way to apply this. I hope, I hope we're encouraged to read and study the Bible. That's simple. We have, for those of you who are visiting, we've we've memorized significant portions of the Bible over the years here. The most recent one was Acts 17 22 through 32, or something like that. Uh, Isaiah 40. Oh, 12 through 31. Wonderful. Psalm 96, John 15, and all that's it. Now you realize to memorize something you have to memorize it like 18 times before it sticks. Just so you know. Don't get discouraged. But use it. Do that. Now, also, so we want to do that ourselves, but we want to send missionaries, send people out to proclaim the Word of God, because the Word of God, God said, it, write it down, because this is where people find life. Would you put another picture up here? Herb, don't you have another picture to show? Look at that. You recognize those people? Anyone know who they are? Who are they? Someone tell me. Pardon? Did you say Dan? Dan Estrada? He's on the left. Who's the other guy? Drake Williams. They're both guys. That we support in our missionary budget. I got this picture at 1:15 this morning. I didn't wake up then. I didn't see it until hours later. Uh, that was taken Thursday. You know where they are? Bucharest, Romania. You recognize any of the pictures behind them? We don't have enough clarity, but the big picture right behind their heads is of Charles Spurgeon. It's at the Baptist Institute in Bucharest. And, you know, Romania is a place that was in the Soviet bloc. Ceausescu was the dictator there for decades. And he said, no, to the word of God. He said, no, 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 and tried to stomp it out. You know what they're there for? These two guys that we support, Drake sent that to me just because he knew that it was on our heart. They are part of the team that's preparing a Romanian language commentary on the New Testament. Drake's the sort of the head honcho that he's helped do the Romans one. Dan Estrada's going to do first and second Thessalonians. I think of Ceausescu and I think of Jehoiakim. I can cut it up, throw it in the fire and it's burned. But it's not gone. God still says, write it down, distribute it, get the word out, let people know, I'm God, you're not, you need a Redeemer, it's Jesus the Nazarene. So friends, this word that God has caused to be written down, let's love it, let's treasure it, let it become like our sibling, let it become our intimate friend. It will give us guidance, correction, encouragement, comfort, all the things we need. God said, write it down as His love letter to His people. Amen.